podcast for September 18th, 2022. I'm here in the studio with Brad. He's back there recording things. Say hi to the folks at home, Brad. Hi, folks at home. All right. Marissa is right here with me today. Hello. And Dave is with us in spirit. He is, he is not here. Loser. <laughs> He's a lo- you know, it was either do the Pastor's Cut podcast or take some PTO and take his family out for a fun day. I mean, what a... He chose poorly. <laughs> When he's on his deathbed, he'll think back, I should have done the podcast. I should have done more podcasts. <laughs> so so Dave is with us in spirit here. Maybe we could do some Dave imitations since oh, he's no, not here. I don't want to do that. Oh, I could do that. I'm excited. I'm <laughs> really excited. I'm excited. <laughs> we love the Super Dave. All right. So uh, we are still, uh, or we are beginning our teaching series on... Prayer uh, launched it last week with uh, a teaching from Mark chapter one, and and what I'll be doing in the course of this whole teaching series is taking some prayers from Jesus, some prayers from the apostles, some prayers of the early church, and giving a a very broad New Testament view of prayer and how it's modeled for us within the pages of Scripture. And what better place to have prayer modeled for us than in the teachings of Jesus and the very prayer that He gave us that we called the Lord's Prayer, which is really the believer's prayer. It's recorded twice in Scripture, in Mark chapter 6, and also in Luke, excuse me, not Mark chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, <laughs> and Luke chapter 11. Uh, so along the way, uh, Marissa and I are going to talk through this prayer and some of the teachings of Jesus in the wake of this prayer. Uh, but let me start by giving an interesting exercise. And uh, if you look at Luke's rendition of the model prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Well, I'm just messing up a lot. Should we start over again? No, you're good. Let's roll with it. I messed up when I was recording by myself. Man, so many times. But I want people to think I'm perfect. (laughs) I want people to think their pastor is perfect. I'll affirm you. I'll validate you. you. Thank you very much. You're doing great. So there are five (laughs) requests in... Luke's recollection of Jesus's model prayer. I, if I were teaching this, I would encourage people to say, hey, this next week, why don't we take one of those requests each day? So Monday's prayer would be, Father, may your name be held up as holy. You know, may your name, may I respect your name. May other people respect your name. May your name be honored in our world. The next day, your kingdom come. So you have five requests. Why not just take that framework and have five different prayers Monday through Friday. So if I were teaching this, I would encourage that as a very useful tool. You could explore that, uh, because each one of these requests can be a launching pad into a deeper place of prayer and a more extended time of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Marissa, before we get into the text itself, anything about Luke you want to offer or about prayer or tell us something profound? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's... Man. Um, I have uh, been praying um, aloud with my kids since they were able to speak. You know, I'll 
that's not something unique to our family, of course, but there is something within um, my nine-year-old Elsa's prayers that I really, really love, and um, I hope she doesn't outgrow. It's just like a a simple uh, figure of speech that she's kind of developed that she um, started when she was very young and um, and hasn't outgrown yet, and I'm not pointing it out to her. <laughs> but instead of asking God for things, like she'll say, God, I hope that I have a great day tomorrow. Yeah. God, I hope that uh, that I have a good night's sleep. So she's constantly giving her hopes and the desires of her heart to God and, and giving him um, access to her heart in that way. And you know, I know that there's no deeper theological meaning for her in that, but I hope <laughs> for her that um, she grows up always um, leaning on Christ as the reason for her hope, and that she'll always give those hopes to him. Um, and that's kind of informed my own prayer life, is just, you know, th- this is what I hope. Yeah. You know, that's, um, again, Jesus said, I want you to have the faith of a child, not not be childish, but mm-hmm. be childlike. And uh, just that word hope in itself can be a, a prayer. You know, today I give you my hopes, I give you my dreams. Mm-hmm. So where I'm going with this... Um, teaching on Luke chapter 11, Jesus' model prayer. By the way, I don't know why I chose Luke's version of this over Matthew. I just, I did. I think it was because of what Jesus teaches. Oh, the intro. The intro is so good, too. I know. Well, (laughs) well, maybe that is. Maybe that's the reason I did choose Mm -hmm. this, because I chose this about a year ago. I like the the disciples' specific request. Mm -hmm. Jesus, teach us how to pray, which in itself is a prayer. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... Why not, if you're struggling with prayer, why not let that be your prayer for the first part of your prayer journey? Jesus, teach me how to pray. Looks like you have something to say. Oh, always. Okay. Sometimes. Go. Not. It's weird but... not having Dave here because I could bounce. <laughs> I, I know. I kind of bounce between the two of you. Now Marissa and I are just like yeah. staring here at each other. Well, it is. It's other. that, that um, the introduction is so powerful um, that Jesus was praying privately to himself and uh, one, it reminds us Jesus was always on, even when he wasn't. I mean, his whole life was teaching his disciples um, in the times that he was actually teaching a message to when he was having private times. It just sounds, for me personally, exhausting. <laughs> it yeah. shows us just how much he needed times to get away because every every moment that he was with his disciples was a teaching opportunity that he took. But when he finished praying, his his disciples had been watching him. And um, that was their immediate response. They respectfully let him finish praying, and then they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Um, and don't you think that's because not only they saw how he was praying and how engaged he was, mm-hmm. but they also saw the fruit of his prayers. Right. I mean, there was something there in his life. They go, we we got to have this. They they didn't ask him, teach us how to do miracles or you know, teach us how to heal the sick. Maybe they did, but it's not recorded, but teach us how to pray, because mm-hmm. maybe so much of that flowed out of his prayer life with the Father. Yeah, And it was so intimate and powerful what they witnessed. That was un- unlike anything that they had ever witnessed before. There was something within his prayer that was that they wanted, because there was a difference between their prayers and his. Um, you know, they had been taught since they were small children, first by their parents in the home, and then when they went to school, you know, prayer was such a big part of Jewish learning. So it wasn't like they had never been taught to pray before, but there was something missing, um, something that they saw that he had that they didn't, that they were hungry for. And, and if I have to guess what that was, I would I would think it would be the presence, because we, we often think about prayer, and often we can... Can even interpret Jesus's model prayer here. Now, okay, I got to pray these things, and mm-hmm. it's like this checklist. It's a program that we have to execute, rather than a presence that we get to enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
And from the very first word when Jesus says, Father, you mm-hmm. know, in Matthew's version, it's our Father, it reminds us that it's not just about a program. This is about enjoying the presence of God. Right. And that's that's different. Right. That's different than what can be taught. Mm-hmm. And there was such a humility in them asking him how to pray um, because they had been so well-versed in, in being taught. I mean, they, they knew um, or they thought they knew how to pray, but they were pretty much just saying, teach us like children, just like you said. Take us back to when we were little boys. Take us down to the studs. Build us up from the ground up and, and teach us again. We're a blank slate. Teach us from the beginning. And that's what Jesus does here. Yeah. And, and if you look at the model prayer, there's not a churchy word to be found anywhere in here. I mean, it's, it's words that we would use uh, in our normal day-to-day language. One commentator I said, uh, read said that uh, Jesus taught prayer in its monosyllabic majesty, that most of these words are monosyllables. It, they're just simple. Um, name, come, you know, give, sins, just, just simple words that pack a whole lot of mm-hmm. meaning. Easy to learn, but hard to master. Yes, it is. <laughs> Um, so where I'm going with this um, teaching on Sunday morning, and please, as as you teach in your community groups, you need to be more creative than what I'm being, but I'm going to drive home one point, that let your needs make your prayer natural. Um, everything Jesus prays here is about a need. You know, give us today our daily bread. There's our daily present needs. Forgive us our sins, the needs that we have from our past. Uh, lead us not into temptation or trials. That's future need. Jesus teaches us to pray our needs, past, present, and future. And if we would quit trying to overthink it, no, i got to say the right words and say these things, just take our needs to God, and as we pray our needs, prayer will become more natural. We are commanded, and we'll get to a parable Jesus teaches here in just a minute. If you have need, ask God. And so this is not only for your once-a-day prayer, but I think this is um, this is great when you're just doing prayer during the day. As you encounter a need, you're having a difficult conversation. You know, before we started recording, you know, Marissa and I just had a a conversation about a very difficult thing happening in some people's lives right now. That need is an opportunity for prayer. Um, I'm thinking about James Taylor right now. Always. I love JT. (laughs) I wish he was a Christian. I think he's, he describes himself as a joyful agnostic. Um, but you know, in his famous song, fire and rain, you know, there's, there's this moment where he says, you got to look down upon me, Jesus, you got to help me make a stand. You know, there's a, there's a prayer flowing out of that Psalm just in the daily need of him losing I'm a friend. I'm thinking Jelly Man Kelly, but probably cause we're talking about bread. <laughs> <laughs> Go Marissa. Do you want to quote something? <laughs> no, that's right. All right. So, so to allow our needs to make prayer natural, whatever you need at the moment, turn it into mm-hmm. prayer. Okay, and I think I our patristics for so long decided that the bread in this prayer was figurative, that uh, that we were talking about the spiritual needs of the person and, and the bread of life. And uh, Calvin said, that's ridiculous. This is this is the physical, actual, day-to-day provisions that are in, in necessary for our life and that God cares about those needs. He doesn't just care about the spiritual needs, which goes, you know, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins. Um, that's important too. But those daily needs for bread, um, that God sees our need, and, and He'll answer yeah. our prayers. To, to be specific, even with the small things. So mm-hmm. here's the question. I think we've—now, we talked about this before. Is it okay to pray for a good parking place? We talked about this before, didn't we? I don't know. I know we have 
in yeah. some context. So, so is it okay to pray for a good parking place? And do it. Why not? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Say, well, you know, God's got bigger things on his mind. Yes, he does. But the fact that we would trust him enough to mm-hmm. bring him even the silly yeah. things. That's like what's on your place. mind. That's what's on my mind. So I'm going <laughs> to pray the need, right? Um, so Marissa, is there anything else about the, the prayer itself before we go into the parable afterwards? Um, you know, as I look at this prayer, I, th- I think Jesus starts with that word, Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a sense in which that word is an intimate word, but ultimately a father in a very patriarchal society in which Jesus was a part of yeah. uh, was the authority. And so we come to God in intimacy, but also he's the ultimate authority under whom we live our lives. Right. And I don't often have complaints about the NIV translation, but in this one line in particular, the Hebrew is father of us. Um, and that uh, first person possessive pronoun is missing in the NIV. It just says father, but it was meant to be our father. Um, that uh, that this is a family prayer, a community prayer, that, that we're approaching God as our Father, but as members of a greater family. And the, the intimacy of Father there um, was unique to the prayers of Jesus. We don't see that in Jewish writings um, before Jesus uses it. So just the reminder for us as uh, Western evangelicals who don't often have problems with that individual intimacy— um, you know, any any culture that thinks Daddy God is an okay thing to yeah. pray, you know, we don't need that reminder that God is our Father as much, but these men did, um, that that was something that they longed for, that they were told that they were children of God, and they were told that God loved them, but there were always these insurmountable barriers between them and their Father, that they weren't able to approach them as kids approaching a Father in that way, and the whole gospel message, um, everything that Jesus taught, his messages, his prayers, um, the very beginning of the way we should pray reminds us that those barriers are being broken down, that we can approach God as a father. For us as evangelicals in America, we need to have a reminder that God is in heaven and hallowed be thy name, that he's not just our daddy, (laughs) but that he is the cosmic creator of all things. And and the fact that we're approaching him who's in heaven is an incredibly big deal that we should center ourselves within that space as we approach him. Yeah. God's not our pal. Let's, let's be very careful. And, and our father in heaven, there's a balance there of intimacy and eternality. Mm -hmm. And, and we'd be, we should be careful to go to either extreme. Right. Right. Um, So let me read the parable that Jesus says in the wake of the model prayer. Uh, And Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. By the way, I kind of realized it here. Jesus refers to God as a father, but then he shifts the parable and is talking about a friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has just come to me and I have no food to offer him. Let me give a, a quick, just big picture interpretation of this. Hot desert climate, many times people would travel at night because it was cooler, it was more comfortable to do that, and so it wasn't unusual to have a friend finally arrive at their destination in the middle of the night. Hospitality was held in high regard in the ancient world, and if a friend showed up, you should, you should put out everything you have in front of them. That is, that is the, the Middle Eastern way of hospitality that you still experience today. This one person is embarrassed. A friend arrived, unexpected, didn't have anything. Goes wake up a neighbor. Hey, I need some help. Now, I feel for the neighbor. 
because most homes were one room. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever stayed in a small hotel room with your kids, you know there is a purgatory. That's it's <laughs> it's you know it's difficult. You're in a cramped space. If you get up, the whole house is going to be disturbed. Not only are there kids in the room, there's probably farm animals in the room. You might have your sheep or your goat here on on an earthen floor. You've washed your feet. You're in bed. This is going to be a big big hassle. Um, I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, go away. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you that even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, but because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And so Jesus in this parable says, God is your father. He's not your friend. Here, here's a picture of a friend, right? Mm-hmm. And that friend is reluctant. The point of this parable is not that God is a reluctant friend, not even that God is a reluctant father. The problem with prayer is not God's indifference. Usually the problem in prayer is our indifference, that we are not persistent enough mm-hmm. in prayer. Marissa, go. <laughs> and that... Um that you're not being persistent for your own need, but a, fr- a friend's need. In that this particular parable, it's a prayer offered on behalf of a friend. That's right. Um, so maybe I would not come to you and be persistent with my own needs. Maybe there's a barrier of selfishness there. But if a friend asks us, if they come to us with a need, um, you know, that is such a great honor to be asked to pray for a friend. You know, we can offer our prayers to others, but when somebody comes to you and says, will you please pray for me? Um, that it's, it's very affecting because they know that you're a trusted friend and they know that you have the ear of the father that you can go and turn and, and, and intercede for them. So I love that image of a friend coming to us who's on a difficult journey, who needs that sustaining support for the long journey ahead and that they know that you will be persistent in prayer to God. Um, and that audacity, I mean, the audacity that the that the disciples would have considered would be, you know, you have that reluctance maybe to go downstairs and, and open the door for somebody who knocks at midnight, but the bigger audacity would be not to. Right. You know, I mean, it, it was uh, expected of you. You would never consider not helping someone in need in the middle of the night. Um, and God will never refuse a knock on his door. Um, he will always answer and always give us the strength, the bread that we need to continue our journey, particularly when we're asking for the need of a friend. Um, there's something very uh, sacred and beautiful about midnight prayers too. Um, so this image of someone in the middle of the night praying to God for the needs of a friend is very beautiful. And we think of, you know, the pray- prayers that are offered about the anxieties that keep us up at night and when when pain will keep you from sleep and and think of the, the half-dream liminal <laughs> prayers of a yeah. new parent. And, and there's something really holy and sacred about midnight prayers, um, that, that God will always be there staying up with you, even when the entire world is silent and asleep. God is there, and He'll answer the door. And if you want you know, need to make prayer natural, it's when you wake up in the middle of the night and you mm-hmm. have that thing that's on your mind, turn the worry into a prayer. Mm-hmm. God, this is, this is what I need. I think part of the teaching of Jesus in this parable, too, is not to lose faith when God's timeline in answering our prayers is not our timeline. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we want the quick fix. We want him to do it now. You know, now would be a good time. Sooner is better than later. But there are prayers that sometimes we, we pray once and that we get an answer. There's 
Sometimes we have to pray something for a week or a month, and there are some prayers that may be with us our whole lives. Mm -hmm. And we persistently ask, even if it doesn't seem like heaven is moving an inch, we continue to ask in shameless audacity until either prayer changes things or prayer changes us, Mm -hmm. which is a possibility there. Sometimes we, we need to change what we're asking for. But there are certain prayers that we don't give up praying. You know, God, I want my children to know you. You know, or if the child is straight, I want my child to come back to you. We might have to pray that our whole life mm-hmm. before we see an answer. And we might not see an answer, uh, but we're doing what we're called to do and have that shameless audacity. Mm-hmm. You got anything else? When we were talking about just the, the cadence of what Jesus says there, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. It's such a beautiful line. Um, but then we think, what will we be given? We'll be given bread for the journey. Um, that it's not in those words. It's like, whatever you ask for, God will give it to you. But he's telling us what, what we will be offered when we knock on God's door. Um, we'll be given bread for the journey, that strength and that life and that sustaining power to go the next day. Um, what will we find? What, will, what are we seeking? We're seeking peace and comfort, someone that will answer in the middle of the night. And what will open the door to you? like you said, a father and a friend. So I think about a Tim Keller's quote about religion, that uh, through religion, if we obey God, uh, we, get the, we get things from God. It's a transaction. But through the gospel, when we obey God, uh, we get God. We see his beauty. Um, and the same can be said for, for prayer. We don't pray to begin that transaction with God to get what we need, but we realize when we're building a relationship with God through prayer that he's what we need. So, um, so. (laughs) and in fact, that's where, that's where Jesus ends in verse 13. If then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Mm -hmm. God's, God's ultimate gift, the ultimate persistence in prayer is God, I want, I want you. Mm -hmm. I want more of you. The psalmist will say, show me your face, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a prayer that God will always and continually answer because he himself is the ultimate gift. I'm out of things to say. All right. I'm still kind of dragging because this is we're recording this on a Tuesday right after Labor Day weekend. And, <laughs> uh, what do you do for Labor Day? Anything good? Um, Anything fun? We helped my sister move into her house, uh, and we worked on our own house, so it was a labor-filled Labor Day. Yep, did the same thing. I had, <laughs> I had some things to do in the yard, and so I spent basically the last three days outside working those projects. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we're kind of hungover trying to get yeah. hungover is the wrong word. We are... <laughs> I don't know. We need a vacation from our vacation. We need a vacation from Another vacation. Another three-day that's weekend. Right. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this second installment on prayer. There's more to come. Um, but again, as teachers, I would encourage you, go deeper into this passage. Even uh, before you teach this, to take one day and to pray each one of those five requests that are in Jesus's model prayer mm-hmm. as a way of soaking yourself in prayer before you invite others to do the same. All right. That's it. On behalf of Dave and Brad and Marissa and me, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, and may God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.